be riffing for an hour. Uh, this will mostly be fun. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are a good audience because you laughed at that. So at the very least, you're kind to comedians who took a, a, a wearing a shirt. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about it. I took it out of the closet today. I showed it to my girlfriend, and she went, are you going to wear that? And I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she went, oh, okay. <laughs> so the people in relationships laughing, she was telling you not to fucking wear that. <laughs> but it's the 21st century. I don't believe in gender norms. I'll wear what I want. I'm, if she's going to judge me, that's her place to judge, and I will wear this, because I know it bugs her. <laughs> but she's not in Bristol. Palm of needless waterways and hills. <laughs> this town, let's... It's being recorded for people to listen all over the world. Let me explain the town of Bristol to you. When you Google it and use Google Maps, it literally shows you paths that go over water. And then you think, are there bridges? And sometimes, no. Google is ambitious. What do you want me to do, just leap like an action hero? Because the bad guy's on the other... I don't know what's on the other side of the other dock. You know, Bristol with its various docks and hipsters. Thank you for coming. But this is so my There's a woman wearing a red cardigan, her hands folded, eyes that say, I hope this is good. It's a date tonight. He has a goatee and he's a roadie for a band that's hard to pronounce. And the front row, definitely people that like me, a guy who looks like he hacked in the mainframe to comment about ukuleles. <laughs> one because you've shaved your head because you're going bald but you don't want people to know <laughs> that it's not a choice so you just did it yeah what's your name brother pete pete how are you pete i'm John. good nice John. to meet you good to be here. and are you from bristol i am you are i love bristol because this is bristol it's like the dangerous brain <laughs> even though when you go to brighton you stay a couple of days in brighton you realize no brighton is the, I got read Brighton Rock about a month ago. That just fucks up your perspective of that town because you think you go there like Bristol. Same thing because you guys claim you have a dangerous bit. I just think that's a place where the hummus is served room temperature. You're <laughs> Excuse me, I was told there'd be red peppers. Just carrots for dipping. What is this? 2002? I say nay. I will be tweeting about this. <laughs> Using my phone, what is it, 2012? I use my computer. Huzzah. And. Because, <laughs> yeah, you guys, you claim that Bristol has a bad area. I've never seen it. Is it, is it true? It has a few. It has a few! Yeah. What's the worst thing that's happened in the last year? Death. Death. It's <laughs> 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 the most medieval description of a bad area I've ever heard. Why is this area dangerous? Death happens there! <laughs>
they put it at a time where you can make it, but you don't always make it. (laughs) (laughs) 10.35, it's there, you can make it if you're organized, but you want to have a pint because the audience is cool, but you can't, you have to run by. And all of them going, it was great, I was like, so far, that Reaper thing was good, I might do that again. You should, all right, see you later. And then you run by, and you end up on the train, drinking a tin that you bought, overpriced from the great Western train service lady, who's always overweight and yet wearing a vest that doesn't fit, even though this is England. You guys have clothes that make anyone look good, and yet you, it's so uncomfortable, just me drinking, and then just too tough men on the train, they're always there, I think they're paid by the train service <laughs> to judge you when you have the wrong ticket, because I take a lot of trains, but I also like, I'm frugal, so sometimes I'll take like the ticket that's cheaper, and then try and sneak, and because I have this accent, I sometimes get away with it, when I do. <laughs> I have a whole story, what it is, is that I'm uh, visiting from uh, Carp, Ontario, which is a town that's next to the town that I grew up in. And I'm visiting a girl that I went to university with and let's say Bristol, and I always sort of had like a crush on her. And I went to visit her and sort of explain to her my feelings and I'm thinking about moving to Bristol. I came over completely on a whim and I just bought this ticket and she just rejected me. And so now I'm going back to London. And they always just look at me and go, All right. <laughs> and either they walk away. Or they go, you still have to buy a new ticket. <laughs> Which is a really dark thing to do. Because they don't know I'm bullshitting. That could be a real thing. I cried one time coming back from Birmingham because it was really late at night and I ran and I was tired. You know what? When I'm tired, I get really emotional, which is good for lying. <laughs> be out of breath and just crying. and There's nothing fucking worse than an out of breath man. And then she did! No! And I wanted to move to Bristol! It's the town of that are now filled with tears! <laughs> made that man's smile was filled with tears, finally. I broke everyone in the audience. And for a while, sir, you were staring at me like I just fucked your girlfriend. <laughs> I wouldn't do that to her. Light fingering at best. So, where are we? We're in the little black box theater here in Bristol. It's a dark, vacant Victorian room, all painted black except for this one scratch mark from a play. <laughs> Correct? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the people that own the theater are here. I wasn't just asking the audience. <laughs> the answer is that there are people that listen to this. I'm not being insane, going, there's other people. There's other people who listen, so occasionally I'll go, there's other people. I'm not just speaking to another audience that lives in my head. <laughs> <laughs> and then an Aaron's Mantle Place, where a ukulele, a notebook, and a podcast recorder. <laughs> it's literally a mantelpiece of hipsters, right there. <laughs> and a woman reading, like, Bukowski going, what a chauvinist. And then... <laughs> anyways, I was recently reading Ham on Rye, and if I could just talk about Charles Bukowski and this being the type of crowd I hope it is, it's the most we've all been waiting for. I fucking... When I was 14 and angry at the world, God, I loved his writing, so I was like, yeah, I'm gonna drink red wine in the evening, and I'm gonna fucking tell the post office to suck my dick! I'm gonna find my wand, I'm gonna get a barracuda car, shit's gonna be real! Who smokes? Everybody does! And now, I read him and I'm just like, buddy, you need to go to AA and you need to calm down. The world's not that bad. It was just that that shows my age right there. It's 15 years and I've gone from like, fuck yeah, Charles, to Chucky, who wants a hug? <laughs> you read the works of Dan Brown. He can't really <laughs> He can't really put a sentence together, but ooh, does it make you not think about nothing? <laughs> really going out for some totems tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Just took down Dan Brown five minutes in. <laughs> and on the other side of the stage of this tiny theater, it's just a uh, it's a chest painted black. One of the people that owned the theater just gasped. Like, and she, it's, the wo- it's the woman who claimed that she was deaf, so who knows <laughs> what we'll find in here. But I, and I, I said to Sean, I said, oh, what's with, have you talked about the tickle trunk? And then he looked at me like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> because in, um, in Canada, we have children's entertainers. You guys have children's entertainers here too. And I said about the there's <laughs> a joke that for those of you at home, you're going to need to Google. I'm not going to get into it. Let's just say, oh boy. And <laughs> just say, fuck, it's just so dark and it keeps getting darker because it's literally like one and then he goes, he's dead. And it was like his legacy is destroyed. 
we can all go on with our lives. And then there's another one. And when the whole Ralph Paris thing went down, everyone in this country was just, I don't know who he is. He, to me, he's just a creepy Australian, poor Australian. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and just was on the newspapers. So I had no emotional connection, but all of you grew up with him like, he painted things and then sang at Glastonbury? I don't know, all your celebrities have weird reasons for being famous. Like, he was in the movies like, oh, Billy? He drank with Peter O'Toole and claimed he owned a dinosaur. You never heard about him? No, man, we, we got real celebrities who know <laughs> They have talent, something like here. It's like, what did she do? Ah, she married a footballer and then invented the phrase Peshaw. So, Charles <laughs> 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 Entertainer in, the, in Canada named Mr. Dresser. And, uh, <laughs> and that makes it sound like yeah, he sounds like a pedophile. Like <laughs> Ralph Harris sounds like a guy who sells you insurance. Mr. Dresser, like, what did he do? He killed kids to get boners. Makes sense, Mr. Dresser. <laughs> he dressed up like someone who should be trusted. And I meant to not do these jokes, and yet here we are. <laughs> the gulch of dark humor. And so I and he had this thing called the tickle trunk, and he would open it for every episode, and he put on costumes. And then the episode would proceed. And so every kid who's sort of my age, a little older, a little younger, thinks of any sort of chest as a tickle trunk. But then we travel the world and say tickle trunk to adults <laughs> as adults. <laughs> and we just sound ridiculous. <laughs> it sounds like I'm asking where the really weird strip club is. <laughs> like not like not the gilded hyena where you know like there's Wanda and she's got like the big jugs and she dances to White Snake. Like, tickle trunk, if that was a strip club, there would be no women. It would just be a man looking at a mirror and he's telling himself what he wants to do. <laughs> champagne is still 11 pounds. So, should we open the chest? No. Yes. Yes. It's yes. not gonna be that exciting either way. We haven't planted anything in here. But I gotta kill an hour, and it's going well. <laughs> Even, no matter what your answer was, we were still opening this. I like how you, I like how you shake your head and like, don't do it. What do you think is in here? <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm doing the class, but I feel like Geraldo, who is a name. Do you guys remember who Geraldo Rivera is? He was Jeremy Kyle in North America in the 80s. He had a big bushy mustache, and he one time got punched in the face by a skinhead. <laughs> and his big claim to flame, claim to flame, okay, claim to fame, um, claim to flame is another pyromaniac type. <laughs> Smell. <laughs> it tells a story and you don't want to hear. 
hear it. I'm gonna put it back. And then I'll tell you the story of being a drag queen. Has anyone here ever been to a drag show? Drag queen? Anything like that? Mm -hmm. Drag queen or drag show? Drag show? Yes. Drag show? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What did you guys think of it? Like it? Amazing. It's amazing, right? Fucking spectacular. Liked it? Cool. Those of you who have been to a drag show, it's just, basically, it's what right-wing Christians think the gay community is doing. They're <laughs> <laughs> drunk in spangly clothes, making puns, and then fucking each other. <laughs> and I, I got hired, there's a very famous drag queen in French Canada and Japan named Mado. And, uh, and that's her name, and then the person that works for Mado, and that's how you have to say it, there was a meeting, is a guy named Luke. And Luke is this French-Canadian man, he's Italian, fucking super nice. But he's fucking massively famous in those two places. And this playwright got this idea to write a play for Mado, where she played an, impersona an impersonator of Celine Dion, who may or may not be murdering a bunch of people, and it's tied in, I am making none of this up, this is an actual play that is tied into a cult called the Raelians, which is an actual cult in Canada, and they've done a lot of research into uh, aliens, and also into um, cloning and stuff like that, like uh, they contributed a lot of money to the clothing, cloning of Dolly, that, that sheep, they paid for a lot of it, and they believe that they've cloned a lot of people, and then when you ask, can we see these clones, they say no, <laughs> and they also backed a bunch of uh, a bunch of uh, Formula One teams privately. It's fucking awesome. Anyway, that's <laughs> dead serious. They're run by a guy named Riel, who has big flowing Jesus hair and a beard. That's the look that either you're in a band or you're in a cult. Oh, one guy dropped a beer right there. That's how shocked he was that the cult leader looked like Jesus. A man in a nice jumper, coiffed hair. You, did you go to Oxford, sir? But you could have if you wanted to, couldn't you? <laughs> Where did you go to university? Bristol. Bristol. Good answer. <laughs> anyway, so the play was about how uh, either the Raelians or uh, this impersonator of Celine Dion was going around uh, killing people, and uh, they needed uh, two actors to be in it who would also be drag queens. And, and it was this big, elaborate drag show, and I was one of the actors. I also played the psychiatrist. <laughs> not bragging. Please do not treat me any different, guys. I was the psychiatrist in 2007's Montreal Theatrical. It wasn't a hit. It was sort of like, you know the sound when, you're, when your jam falls off your knife, when you're about to spread it onto the toast? It was that. It was a, a push and so, and so I, was, I was a psychiatrist, and on the, when I got the part, they said, would you be okay uh, being in drag? And I was like, I got some issues with my father, so <laughs> fuck yeah. <laughs> and I was introduced to, I was, the, I was the only straight guy, I don't know if the other guy has come out yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should laugh, this. totally a joke, totally a joke, everyone out there, don't Google the cast and figure out who I'm talking about, so. <laughs> Editing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's the biggest joke. I will not be doing any editing. This is going right online as soon as we're done. So, uh, so I was the only straight man in the cast, and it was very interesting because it made me completely and totally, like, I it made me more straight being around that much gayness, and I was. And in that, okay, so we would do rehearsals, and rehearsals are like a man named Angel Diago. <laughs> That is his birth name. <laughs> he wore angel wings to rehearsal. There was no angel scene. That's what he wanted to wear <laughs> to show us how to dance like women. He was fucking amazing. All of his shoes match his hats. <laughs> he was awesome. And they all were French Canadian, so they all have this very real, just French accent. It's very, and when they get angry, they don't, yeah, they get even quiet. <laughs> Either you replace one of your left feet with a right foot, or I will cut your fucking foot off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Angel the Angle, you fucking got it, brother. And me, like, and I was like, I was measured for a gold spangly dress, which, oh god, I did a lot of drugs after I was in that play. Boy, <laughs> that sometimes come out. You guys have not lived until you're like high on the roof of your 
apartment in St. Henry in Montreal, you're just in a gold dress going, I'm the king of the world! <laughs> and you show up, are you been drinking? No. <laughs> I'm a fancy man. <laughs> so, we were doing rehearsals and stuff like that, and then what would happen is Mado owned a, uh, a drag club called Cabaret Mado in Montreal, so we would then go hang out there, and everyone was all excited, we were in Mado's play, and, uh, and all the other uh, gentlemen that were in the show would use that sort of minor Montreal celebrity to really do stuff to each other and to other people. <laughs> and I would just sort of hang out and get drunk for free, because I was a poor actor. Before I was even in stand-up, I had literally, I was next to no money. And that I could see money, other people possessed it, <laughs> and I would stand next to them and go, could you get me a sandwich <laughs> with some of your money? So someone's like, we got free booze and free food. Like, I am there, what's happening? Aggressive anal sex as well? All right, I'll learn some things about how to do that properly with women, because you guys are probably the experts who just have more experience in it than I do. Any lessons you can impart? One of the lessons I got from <laughs> the, uh, the costumier, so the costume designer, he corrected me, cannot remember his name, but he had custom-made alligator shoes that started above his knees <laughs> and went all the way down. And one of them was like an alligator biting his leg and then went down under the foot, and then the other one was the tail. I asked him how much they cost, and he went, let me put it this way, I would have two cars and a house, but instead, I look good. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, listen, I've never done uh, anal sex, but do uh, you have any tips? And he's like, Few things. One, spit does not work. You get lube, you get a lot of lube, and you pray. And you tell that girl you were with. Now, that was my favorite part of this explanation. You tell that girl, <laughs> not any girl, you'll find one. You tell that girl you were with to clean, not around, but in. You don't want the caca everywhere, you have to clean it up. You'll be drunk, it'll be gross. And I was like, thank you very much. And it was a tip I kind of used one time, and then I got scared and have never attempted it. So, <laughs> my mom is still listening. Turn the podcast off now! <laughs> so, I, um, so, we'd hang out all the time. One of the other, uh, um, I can't believe I've never told this story before. There's so much to it. They told so, the other guy who was in it was this guy named Vance. So I went to theater school with him. Vance uh, came out. I did another play with Vance, and he came out at our staff, or our cast dinner. We were all standing and he said, let's have a toast. And he stood up and he went, I just want to let everyone know I'm gay. And then we all clinked our glasses together and he had this like, face of pride. And we all realized as one that we were like, oh, we have to act like we didn't already know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. And then like, yeah, it's shocking. I can't believe that you didn't know that we knew. <laughs> it's very obvious. Cheers. <laughs> and he was newly out of the closet, empowered by the fact that he was himself for the very first time, and he went on a rampage of just dating all these dudes. And he, uh, during the production of the play, he was dating this like five foot one South American guy. And one time they made out, but also balanced perfectly, vertically, on a, on a couch back. And like, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like the back of a couch, like, can't explain this properly. So this is, People listening just for audio, fuck off. I'm gonna make it funny for the audience. <laughs> so this is the couch right here. And they didn't use the seat of the long sofa for which to kiss. They instead balanced like this perfectly for 15 minutes. And man, I watched them the whole time. I couldn't, I went and got people. Luke, Angel, Mike, check this shit out. What the fuck is going on? I know they say God is against homosexuality, but he obviously has a hand in this balancing act right now. They are defying his laws, and he is helping them. And so, yeah, that was, oh, that was great. And so that was rehearsals, and then we'd go to Cabaret Bedeau, we'd get drunk all the time, and, and uh, I, was, uh, I was still like smoking for real, as opposed to what I do now, which is I quit, I quit. Yeah, one time, oh, this is really fun, I feel so cool. Okay, I'm quitting again. And so I quit, and they didn't like that I smoked like, the small cigarettes, because they called those breeder cigarettes. They made me smoke really long ones, because they're like, if you're going to do something evil, be evil. <laughs> I'm serious. They were the gay men that live in Sarah Palin and David Cameron's nightmares. Just <laughs> lurking around the corner of a Christian marriage to scare them. Like and, and it truly, it hit a point where I knew I was straight. 
when they took me, because I think they were trying to break me, either to like just stand up and just call them all a derogatory slip, how dare you, or be like, all right, I'm trying this. <laughs> they took me to a gay male strip club. I think it was called Bicep. <laughs> but I'm not, maybe heaven, either way. I, I remember I walked in, and there were, there were women also allowed, it was women and gay men, and they said, we check. And I don't know how they would check. I just walked in with, like, the king of the village. In, in Canada, we have this weird thing where we have an area of town which is, like, sort of designated as the gay neighborhood. It's either called, like, the gayberhood or the village. And you think about it, when you live in Canada, you think that's very nice, that's, like, their area. And then you get a little distance from we go, that's fucking horrifying. <laughs> we've ghettoized that community. And we just let it happen. Where do we find the gay people? Over there! <laughs> when you keep walking, you see flower shop, flower shop, polite bar, man selling tuxedos, but only the cuffs and the collar? You're there. <laughs> In and uh, and it was just it was a lot of very roided up dudes and I don't know if you know what the, the lap dance version or the like come hither of the I can't believe I'm saying this in like an arty nice theater if <laughs> <laughs> we're like cool hip Bristol people there's a woman in a white fur coat who's looking at her shoes going I was told there would be comedy as opposed to <laughs> whatever the fuck this is get ready. <laughs> So their version of like the come hither boob reveal was that a man or a woman would lay back, like lay on their back on the stage, and then the stripper would remove their G-string, which I've never understood, because it doesn't look like the letter G. It looks like a very strained V or an oddly confused Y. <laughs> remove their G-string and then just jam their genitals into their throat for like 10 seconds, and then they just get up and walk away. And that right there, I looked at that and went, I want nothing to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> for as long as I live. Like, I'm like, there is nothing in that I find appealing. Is there possible to find like a sad Russian woman? You guys have any white snake and someone named Tatiana? <laughs> Came here to be an architect, but now she's working for her boyfriend, and by boyfriend we mean guy who's holding her passport, because that's kind of what I'm looking for. <laughs> so we did that. The play opened. It was very strange because we do matinees, and matinees would only be for Japanese tourists that flew in specifically to see Meadow perform. Now, I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I speak no Japanese. And I don't know if you knew about these Japanese tourists, but they spoke no English and had no idea about these subtle Quebecois in-jokes that were built into the play. So it was literally performing for silence. But here's the thing with, um, I didn't know this about Japanese, and I think Chinese audiences all do this, which is they don't applaud at the beginning of a performance. They applaud at the end, and the length of the applause gauges how well they feel you've done. So occasionally we'd literally get, ah, da, 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 play with end, big dance number, and then you just get, and then they'd all stand up and listen. <laughs> 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 and I was like, this is sort of my first big break. It was the first time I was making money in theater. I started doing stand-up around this time at the same at the same time because I needed to talk to someone about what I was seeing. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it, really, it actually did really kick my career in the ass because I saw that there were people making a living doing what they kind of dreamed of. Because, and you know what I mean, like you growing up in Montreal, it's, it's a very Catholic city, you grow up like in this very confined environment. What you want to be, you're not allowed to be because of this book that the people that believe in the book wrote, which is kind of fucking cheating. <laughs> I feel like we should switch the books. Like, Christians now have to read from the Torah, and the Muslims have to read from the Bible, and the Jewish people have to read. Oh, fuck, don't fucking forget the Muslim book, right? And don't call it the Muslim book, because that sounds... Oh, son of a bitch. It's not the halal, that's... The Quran. The Quran. Where were you guys ten seconds ago? <laughs> I was nearly killed by my own white guilt. Did you see that right there? The Quran. That's a hack premise, if I've ever heard one right there, but it just sort of dawned that that's the sort of thought you have when you're really high, just like, the other people need to read the other books! <laughs> we need to smoke more weed, because these ideas are just coming a mile a minute, something else. 
dog army. No. There's <laughs> <laughs> legitimately just an in-joke between me and my girlfriend. She will be listening to this right now. She is texting me going, use that dog army. I, I know I did it just for you. Listen to the podcast. I'm explaining this all right now. You don't need to text me. She'll know. Anyway. So, <laughs> so yeah, was the idea that I saw this guy who built this entire empire based on a dream, based on him wanting to be a drag queen, being influenced by RuPaul and various other famous drag queens, and I, and I took that, and it was a real big inspiration. And it, to the point that the, like, the last week of the show, I started inviting agents to this not good <laughs> piece of theater. It was bad. It was, there was a scene where, as the psychiatrist, I had to uh, keep asking uh, Mado about uh, sleeping with older men because Celine Dion's husband is old. Get it? It's very clever. There's a lot of subtext to it. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the metaphor, but in Canada, we use them thick and fast. And I was, I was proud of it, and the, the agents walked out in the middle of it, and then a friend of mine, like, years later, signed with that agency and said, and he said to her, like, oh, have you heard about my friend John Hastings? He's doing da 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 And she's like, oh, I saw that guy in this play. So unprofessional. And they'll give you a, cl- a glimpse of how I feel. I, uh, I've said nothing to that person, and I've instead gone to Bristol and passive-aggressively told the story to you people, <laughs> hoping that that's vengeance. <laughs> so yeah, I was, a, I was a drag queen. Totally didn't think I was going to tell that story. I had other things planned, but you know what? I just, uh, it was a good one. Right, buddy? Nobody was time. Oh, so much time to get into what I really wanted to talk about, just hit my face with the microphone. All right, so I, uh, I made a short film uh, this month. You guys, you know, you're hipsters. You know short films. You know those things you talk about at parties where you're like, canapes? I was just recently watching a short film that was called Clown Potato Cake. <laughs> it was about a man who wants to be a clown, but also loves potatoes. <laughs> it is filmed with one camera hung from a ceiling. The director was actually a cat. <laughs> a soundtrack provided by one lesbian playing a bassoon. She was not mic'd, but it was recorded live! And so, I am. Not all of you got that joke, but let me just say, as a self-serving, pretentious, middle-class white person, it was apt. So, like, just dip your tzatziki in support. So, I, 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 wrote, I co-wrote and I produced and acted in a short film. And now what we're doing is we're going through a process of applying to festivals. And I know what you guys think. John, my life is not filled with bureaucracy, <coughs> needless paperwork, and a feeling where you want to punch, you want to go find Steve Jobs' body, and you want to dig it up, and you want to smash his skull into a thousand pieces, <laughs> because the fucking internet does not cooperate. You want to ask one question, you have to email a guy who works for a film festival, so you know someone named Oliver, he's adjusting his indoor scarf, <laughs> <laughs> he's just smoked a pipe, but it was like a flavored tobacco. They were out of strawberry, so we got blueberry. And he's just complained that the, 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 the water filter is not getting enough of the antioxidants out of the water, and no one has corrected him to tell him that antioxidants are in water, but he feels still <laughs> entitled. And then he gets an email from me trying to figure out the exact submission date for his particular film festival in like Aarhus, Denmark. And then he just curtly responds, it's on the website and then you passive-aggressively take screenshots of every part of the website <laughs> to show that it's not there. And then he replies, oh, I guess it's not up yet. You'll have to be patient. And then you realize that you want to fly to Aarhus, Denmark and just beat the shit out of him with like one of those old like cameras that you have to spin like spin like this. You guys who know cameras, you know how things used to be filmed, just a man spinning and then, and then he would remember all the images and then he'd tell people. <laughs> <laughs> the first movies or stories, as they were called. But always, you know how the Greek storytellers, that's why uh, the guy who came up with the Iliad, Homer, was blind because of all the spinning and he did it a little too much in the times in a cave and then a lot of sti- stalagmites or stalactites depending on the pronunciation and actual existence of the correct word. And, and he, he bludgeoned both of his eyes out, which is why he was blind. And then they were like, we got to figure out a better way to do this. And they asked this guy Cameron. He was like, oh, I got an idea. We put some film, you know, film that stuff that's in your mouth when you wake up after being drunk. Like, yeah, yeah, I know that. Yeah, we got to weave it through some stuff and then there's burning and then it works. And they're like, Cameron. What do we call it? He'll say a camera. 
and you guys will be like, yeah, very good. We saw the camera thing coming a mile away. <laughs> when you called the guy Cameron, comedian. All right, good. So, so that. So it's just been like four days of, of paperwork and bureaucracy, and I got, I got. It just, it's, it's weighing down on me, and I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do because this is a theater. That's why I brought it up. This is a theater. Do you guys have to apply for grants? We don't bother. Yeah, see, right there. This is a theater full of people. You guys want to see some cool stuff, not the stuff they have to put up because they don't have grants. For the record, I'm one of the things they have to put up because they don't have grants, so you can laugh at that. It was me making fun of myself, not them, he said, hoping to be invited back to do this again. So, yeah, it just, it just involves the mind. We have to, I'm an artist, do you understand? I didn't get into this to try. I was in math class when I was 16, and someone said, you have, if you don't learn this, you won't be able to do any of these jobs. And I looked and said, comedian slash podcaster is not on there. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck solving for X. I'll see you when I get up at noon for all of my 20s. Who's drunk? <laughs> me on weekdays. Fuck yeah. <laughs> and then I just want to propel my career a little bit forward, maybe put something out there that's a little different than me sitting in weird death rooms like this. <laughs> Sets for German death videos. We gotta wrap the show up by 10 because we're filming a snuff film through the night. <laughs> I'm just trying to do that. And the website put something simple like submission here, date here. Now they put, uh, send us one pigeon. If the pigeon is the correct color of white, we will send you back a dove. But you will not be sure of it's a dove unless you teach it to fly. And if the dove doesn't fly appropriately, your film will be burned in front of you and the children you'll never be able to afford to have. Because you never got a successful show business career job, Hastings. You should start drinking in the morning. That way everything good you have can be taken away and be blamed on your drinking problem, not the mistakes you make. They go, who the fuck's updating this website? Why do they know all my fears? And so, <laughs> just feeling a little tense is what I'm trying to say. When I, come, I come to Bristol, I took the National Express to Bristol and it was eight pounds. Everyone does that. Listen, it's the exact same amount of time to take the bus to Bristol as it does to take the train to Bristol at that time of the day. And the only difference is the bus costs eight quid and the train costs 125. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love Bristol. You are not worth 125 pounds. For one way on a train, you can give me your schnazzy shoulders and I'll fucking stand by that. I wouldn't go to heaven for 125 quid. I would be like, Angel, I'm already dead. I'll go to hell. I'm sure it's free. <laughs> and so I, I took the National Express, which is fine. The problem with bus travel is that there's something oppressive about it because there's always like five people and this they, they're not leaving London because they want to. They have to. Like they have to go back to Bristol because the relationship's over, or they've run out of money, or they're like a student who's going to like Bristol Uni, and they and they took pottery, and they read about uh, I read about a, like an art gallery in London, and they're gonna go and show them like their pottery skulls, <laughs> and they want them to be shown at the newest at the newest showing, and they show up, and there's a pretentious man there, and he's like, well, did you submit on the website? <laughs> Tried, but I don't know where to find a falcon in the <laughs> southeast or west of uh, England, depending on where we are. I don't know geography in this country. I just know keep driving until you hit water and then you're in France. And then so he's all dejected that he gets on the National Express bus with me and he's just he's got his toque and it's not laid back and nice. And he's like, Yeah, I was just listening to some Bob Marley, not because I'm a seamster, but because I find it to be delightful. But instead, the tube is leaned forward. He's sad, listening to Tom Waits. And not early or now Tom Waits, middle Tom Waits. You know the part when he was like really drunk and then he got sober and just was like, Congos. Every problem can be solved with Congos. <laughs> and all of us went, Tom, I do not think the conga goes well with your voice. It's best described as, did someone just put a cigarette out on that dead man? <laughs> <laughs> so then that vibe just sort of permeates and you're in this sardine can of like confliction. And then you get to Bristol and it's a great town. I do love Bristol. Bristol, it's, you're in the top five of towns I would move to to in England <laughs> if I didn't need to be in London because I need the money of going to Club Lillotown. It literally goes like this. It's, it's Bristol and Brighton are tied if I'm gonna move and stay in England and then it's Glasgow. Am I thinking Glasgow? Yeah, I'm thinking Glasgow because I love a couple of things. I like 
drinking without judgment. I like, <laughs> I love like, like sleazy dirtbag rock music. You guys, listen, if you've not heard of Perfect Circle, you haven't lived, all right? <laughs> Her band, they're a side project of Tool, because Mayor James Keenan thought, you know what, I'm really making some really arty, cool choices with my music. I need to stop that. <laughs> I need to make five minutes of songs that are just Yeah! <laughs> the perfect circle. So I, and Glasgow is that every bar you walk into, it's just like, oh no, the Guns N' Roses song just ended. Well, we better put the same one on again. <laughs> yes, you should! And the thing with Glasgow that I will always love is that there is, you will always see something that stays with you every time. <laughs> I think my favorite one was I was walking down that weird high street that every town on this island has. You know the cobblestones, and there's a sport direct and a costa, <laughs> and then around the corner, just far enough away that you don't see the pret a manger when you go into the costa, even though you actually want pret a manger because the coffee is like a pound as opposed to two pounds fifty in the costa, but you never find the pret because they put it off the street, so you have your costa, and then you see the pret and go, fuck. <laughs> have a sandwich and a coffee for what I paid for this coffee. We're on that. Yeah. And it was with the Glasgow Comedy Festival, so they had a few street performers, and these were these street performers looked concerned because it was it was it was Glasgow, it was um it was the same day as one of the many horse races you guys enjoy on this island, the one with the hedges where all the horses die. <laughs> Do you know the one I'm talking about? No one warned me when we sat down to watch that that it's just a horse apocalypse. <laughs> the people play like is that like and that's a lot of horses. And, 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 and I didn't do the math fast enough for the race. I'm just like, horses can jump. They can jump hedges. But if they're all grouped together, there's going to be death. So much death. So much death. <laughs> that horse just flipped over and landed on its feet and then had to look like, oh, there goes my life. <laughs> so it was, it was that day. So everyone's like Glasgow day drunk. And there's a, a, a flame uh, swallower on that high street. And so he's shooting flame up. And, uh, and this drunk man. And he was a he was David Cameron's drawing of a yes voter. <laughs> <laughs> like he literally had a bottle of whiskey in one hand, a, a can of iron brew in the other. He was missing a tooth, shaved ginger hair, tracksuit, jeans, and holes. But not because he's cool, but because these were the jeans he was issued by his mother when he was kicked out of the house. Mismatch Adidas. I say it the regular way, not your weird Adidas way. <laughs> and he's looking at the, at, the, at, the, at the flame swallower, and he just goes, Hey! Not very good. Let me do it. <laughs> flame swallower. I don't know why I'm yelling. First of all, I went, excuse me, and he walks right to his face and went, I will headbutt you unless you fire. <laughs> and the guy goes, okay. And he like puts the gas in his mouth and he shoots the flame. And as he shoots the flame, the guy rushes towards him, you know, right into what they call the kill zone of the fire. <laughs> and he goes, no, I want to do it! And he goes, well, you, you can't. his shoulder, and then went, that'll teach you. <laughs> and then he walked away. <laughs> I was the only person who seemed surprised by this. <laughs> I need to live in that town to get to a place where nothing phases. Do you ever think, let's go through the phases of that story. It's a man who earns a living drinking gasoline <laughs> and then shooting it out of his mouth through a flaming torch, and he is the reasonable person in this story. <laughs> <laughs> and there was another man at two o'clock in the afternoon, who is both drunk and hungover, hence the whiskey and the iron brew. <laughs> and he's walking through, and he sees a man shooting fire from his mouth. <laughs> I don't know what he thought. Did he think, that's a dragon? I should slay the dragon. <laughs> uh, dragons are a symbol of England, and I hate England. <laughs> So I must go be like the dragon, because I am Scottish. So he walks up, and he wants to inquire how he too could learn to shoot fire with his mouth. And does he politely ask, could you show me how to do that afterwards? 
No, he claims to be better at that <laughs> than the person shooting fire. And then when that man rebuffs his attempts to literally swallow fire, <laughs> he headbutts him, but not the proper way, <laughs> to the shoulder. Which actually is sensible, because I think his thoughts were, well, I taught him a lesson, I don't want him to forget it. So I'll hit him on the shoulder so it doesn't hurt his brain. A <laughs> um, couple of quick housekeeping notes before we wrap up in a couple of few. Uh, there's gonna be a mailing list right through that door. Uh, if you wanna give me your email address, I'm gonna do, I do a dispatch once a month. It tells you where I'm gonna be. There's some videos, links to this podcast, all that sort of stuff. I don't bombard you. I give you like a little blog post that's mostly like this. Less graphic, fuck mine. <laughs> Much more graphic, but with Grammatical errors usually stamped out via uh, Word document. I literally was about to say the Word document machine. <laughs> you know the Word document machine, the thing you buy at the Apple store? You know what I mean? You walk in and go, ah, pardon me, sir, do you have any Word document machines? And then the aptly named genius, because he knows that it's called a computer, not the Word document machine. Because you mean this, sir, and you go, ah, yes, very good. Is it good for typing? Also, I'd like to get on to the titty machine. Do you have that? Yeah. <laughs> you the internet? Yes, good! Is it also providing me with facts about 9-11 that people aren't listening to? <laughs> Alright, I finally found something out about 9-11, and I'm going to close on this. What a way to close the old comedy show, guys. <laughs> what have we covered? Drag queens, my bureaucracy meltdown, a little trip to Glasgow, my love of Bristol, Brighton's frighteningness, the fact that you are deaf. <laughs> the scariness of the tickle chunk. <laughs> I, uh, just show hands. Everyone close their eyes. Let's do this so this doesn't break. Everyone close their eyes. Everyone close their eyes. So raise your hand if you believe 9-11 was an inside job. Raise your hand. Okay. One, two, three. <laughs> three human... Close your eyes, miss! <laughs> fucking asshole. Put your hands down. <laughs> yeah, I fucking said it. It was rude. You're find the trust of the group. Now, hands up if you believe 9-11 was not an inside job. Hands down. And one person just didn't raise their hand at all, and they're my favorite person. <laughs> I was like, I, I don't believe in 9-11. <laughs> I was very drunk that day, there was only 11-9. Because it's the UK, and that's a Stuart Lee joke. That's very good, check him out. He's quite successful, and um, he'll get it one day. So uh, here's the thing, you can open your eyes now. Thank you so much. Here's the thing, is I was uh, doing some digging because my best friend, Paul Harrison, he is a conspiracy theorist in that every thing in the world was perpetrated via the Illuminati. Like as a Canadian, I've been following the Rob Ford story like it's my baby. Because for fuck's sakes, people know Canada not for being polite or being next to America. Yeah, we elect crackheads. That's how fucking cool we are in my country. <laughs> What do you think? Oh, we elected a posh guy in London. He's got hair that looks like he survived a wind tunnel. Oh, yeah, our guy. He looks like the state pop marshmallow man. He smokes cracks as he eats pussy. Showed up on Jimmy Kimmel and was shocked. And they're like, you're kind of a doofus. He was like, what? Me? No! <laughs> and he thinks, he's like, no, that, that's a conspiracy. It's to uh, devalue the position of the mayor from the consciousness of the uh, Canadian people so they'll eliminate that position by creating legislation to remove a democratically elected leader. Therefore, at some point, they'll remove the prime minister and replace him with a tyrannical dictator. Really? You think they're going to do that? I don't fucking think they will. If there's going to be a dictator, they're just going to do what all the dictators do. Get the tanks, roll them up, and go, I'm in charge now. And we'll go, yeah, cool. All right, I'll get to working in the sad factory that's in all these drawings. So, but his big one is 9-11. He always will go back to 9-11, and he's not like the, the classics, like uh, it was a fake plane. Uh, no, that, he is even more than the classic stuff that like they maybe knew about all that goes. He was a fake plane, and you can see it on the videotape, and then he shows me a video of a plane going into the building, and go, that doesn't even look like a plane. And then you go, no, it looks exactly like a plane. <laughs> and then he says, I don't think so. Who would know? And then I would go, well, between the comedian and the PhD student, neither one of us. <laughs> but I'm gonna go, it's a plane. So he's always been, and I've been searching, trying so hard to find Something that will just make him shut the fuck up about it. <laughs> so I want to talk about something else. Not really. I do love conspiracy theories, but I just want to win this one. 
because we've already moved on to how global warming isn't real, and that's going to be the rest of my life trying to prove <laughs> that to him. I think I'm just going to have to charter a plane and fly to the North Pole and go, you see how all of this isn't together? <laughs> that's us! It isn't some conspiracy to get us to buy bags, you fucking lunatic! It's us going, aerosol! Aerosol! Where are we going to put the bag? In the ocean, look, the fish is dead. He's you the fishing. Like, <laughs> I finally figured it out. I was listening. I was, was listening to a, a, a podcast about the mafia. And they, they fucking dropped it in, and it was the most thing that makes sense. So the biggest argument for the 9 11 conspiracy is that no buildings have dropped at that velocity and that speed after that type of fire has happened on the floors that had happened on the World Trade Center. And the point that this podcast made. And it was literally just like, oh, of course. Was that all the other skyscrapers that were built that had fires on those top floors were in places like Dubai, and uh, there was one in somewhere else in Europe. And those were built by construction workers with state-of-the-art materials. The World Trade Center was built in New York in the 1960s and 70s. Now, pop quiz, motherfuckers. <laughs> Who was in charge of construction in those decades on the island of Manhattan? Don't all guesses once, I will tell you. It was the Gambino crime family, <laughs> whose leadership then went to jail for defrauding the New York City government of over a billion dollars worth of materials used to build skyscrapers. <laughs> Meaning that the World Trade Center fell that way because they were missing the beams <laughs> to hold it in place. And I haven't told him that this is my fucking white knight Excalibur sword to stab his bullshit in the face. But I know that that's real, and I know that the U.S. government's figured it out, because no one's talking about that. Because there's a lot more skyscrapers in New York that were built during that time. And what's more terrifying than 9-11 having once? The one time, one time, just a fat man's gonna lean against a support beam <laughs> of seven New York Street, and it's just gonna come down. What happened? Uh, Illuminati, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Crystal, thank you so much for indulging me. You guys. Have <laughs>